The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we are streaming live on wvfs.fsu.edu and also on air locally on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee, Florida. If you'd like to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871. And as always, if you miss this show or any other future show, you can always go back and listen to us on the Tomahawk Todd podcast, available anywhere you get your podcasts at. Be sure to also like and subscribe to the entire V89 Podcast Network. We greatly appreciate it. I'm your host, Luke Hazen, and ladies and gentlemen, it is officially game week here in Tallahassee. We're in less than six days. The number nine ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish come to town on Labor Day weekend to face off against the Florida State Seminoles. And just reading that line right there sent goosebumps down my spine. I'm sure you guys are at home are all excited. And to be sure, we are going to break down that game every which way possible for you tonight, as well as the entire full college football slate that this weekend has in store for us. But first, when I round up my crew right here and introduce everyone, Gabe, back for his second week as my co-host here, Gabe Tisnes joining us here. How you doing, bud? Man, it's, it's surreal. It's still, I'm still getting adjusted to being on the booth and uh, getting to talk sports with you, but it's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, there's a lot to talk about this this first week of college football, obviously, but even with other sports, soccer is, it's been a crazy transfer window, to say the least, but uh, we'll definitely get back into that later down the, the show, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited to actually be here with other other members, not just you, Luke. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was I was mad because last week we, we did this show and we were talking a little bit about NFL preseason and the quarterback battles going on, and and you had to step aside out of the booth for a second, and you missed our entire conversation sure on, on Jameis versus Taysom, and it got heated because Sebastian actually brought up an argument for Taysom Hill. I was flabbergasted by that. I Somehow, some way, he tried to make an actual argument for it. But we saw this last weekend uh, how that transpired. What do you, what do you, first, before we get into other news, uh, what do you think about Jameis over Taysom there? It's funny because I, I was also kind of on the Taysom Hill bandwagon for a little bit, but I'm kind of now on the, on the James juice because I, I have to. <laughs> As the same thing, I kind of have to. But I'm, I'm actually happy. I, he was my choice uh, going into the season. I think he's got a lot. A potential but that's obviously something we've known ever since he graduated from Florida State um, but yeah he's definitely got the potential to be a franchise quarterback but he can also completely bust so it's definitely not an easy choice but I, I'm confident that Champagne has trained him well um, and he's got a great surrounding cast with a beautiful offensive line he's still got Alvin Kamara in the backfield um, so you know we'll, we'll have something to talk about throughout the whole season I'm not, I'm not sure that those bucks are going to Wrap up the NFC South too early this year. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, in, in terms of the Jameis juice, as a Bucks fan, I can tell you that it's highly addictive. You will, <laughs> you will not want to quit it whatsoever there. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk a little NFL later on. Uh, also joining us back in the panel tonight is Brett Rutherford. Brett, how you doing, bud? Good, yeah, you guys can't get rid of me. It's football. It's week one. Week zero was, uh, it was okay. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but really, football's back this weekend. Yes, week one, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, Florida State plays for the first time in program history on a Sunday. And then NFL next week, it's going to be it's going to be a really fun fall. Yeah, we got we got a game on Monday too. Don't forget That's old true. Louisville and Ole Miss. So a, a full five straight days worth of, of college football, and then a couple days later we get NFL, and we'll we'll be excited for that as well next week. But uh, I want to talk to you real quick. I know you just got finished uh, wrapping up one of your episodes, of your podcast, Raise Your Voice. 
Uh, how about them Rays? Yeah. Everyone, everyone's sort of uh, gravitated towards the Yankees and their huge winning streak. All the Rays have done have just won what two less games than the Yankees during the month of August. They're they're rolling right now. And they're six games up. Yeah, the, the Rays really didn't let the Yankees make up any ground with that uh, winning streak that went on thirteen game winning streak. The Rays are the best offense in the league, runs per game, total runs scored. Uh, their bullpen still has one of the highest ERAs in all of baseball, and they just continue to keep winning. And it, honestly, it's not really a surprise. They're the defending American League champions. They they lost a couple of pitchers, but they've added to their lineup and to their pitching staff and, and the bullpen in the road. This isn't a surprise. They've won the last three years. They just secured their fourth straight winning season. They're six games. Uh, they have a six-game lead going into the last month of the season to try to wrap up a second straight AL East title. Uh, it, it really isn't shocking to anybody unless you write for the Athletic. Sorry, or your Tom Reducci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, September rolls around, and that's when a lot of organizations' depth gets tested. And I don't think there's there's anyone that really manages that sort of organi- organizational depth better than the Tampa Bay Rays, so something to look forward to, to be sure, for Rays fans out there. Um, but we also had someone new joining us on the panel. Not new in terms of the radio station, but he is making his his prominent return back to WVFS for the first time since, I want to say, twenty early 2020. Uh, Brooks Braza, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. I, I appreciate it, my man. Uh, it, it's good to be back. Um, good to be back seeing Brad and Luke and... Uh, like I gave over there, so uh, it, yeah, I'm excited to be back. It's good to be back in Tallahassee. Uh, as you guys were saying, big games coming up. Excited about it. Yeah, and you know, you certainly had a summer to remember, sort of in the middle of all that. Your Bucks, your Milwaukee Bucks. We talked a bunch on on this show about the, them, but I want to get it from firsthand from a Bucks fan. Uh, how awesome was that uh, first championship since 1979? Kind so, of crazy. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, one of the thoughts that uh, kept me going this summer was, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. Uh, so to see the way that um, the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin got behind the uh, now two-time NBA champions was awesome to see. Um, you know, it was, it was really fun watching meaningful basketball games late into the summer. Um, and then the, the Deer District, I got a chance to go a few times, a little outdoor venue uh, was awesome. It was a great experience. Yeah, and it certainly rivals Jurassic Park comes to mind when I when I think of like the all time best crowds outside of the arena like that. But really quick before we move into other other subjects and stuff like that, uh, you think they're the team to beat going into next year? I mean, they are the NBA champions, <laughs> so I mean, there's always that argument. You know, um, the the Nets are saw there's a, there's a lot of other teams that are making moves, but um, some you know somebody's going to win at the end, and the Bucks are current champions. So yeah, I we mean, shall uh, see. To beat the man, you got to beat the man, right? Exactly. exactly. That's right. Well. Now, oh, real quick, Scott Scott Clemens, everybody, back in the production booth there on the ones and twos. I know last week we had to kind of patch together a little something on, on GarageBand, of all things, I think. Um, and, and he was a huge, huge role, had a huge role in that. So, Scott, we appreciate you. Thank you for being back there, handling everything that we do not want to deal with uh, in the production room. But now that we've gotten all of you guys out of the way, guys, it's game week. Let's go. Florida State plays regular season football for the first time since last December when their season was cut short. And sort of just being introspective for a second, it's really surreal for for me to be in this position, hosting this show, and to see this come full circle as I get to break down Florida State's season as the host of Tomahawk Talk. Because I remember in 2018, now a lot of people, you know, remember that season and document it as sort of the when things really escalated for this Florida State program under Willie Taggart 
and sort of took a turn for the worse. I remember as it being my first full semester here at WVFS at Tomahawk Talk and, and really documenting that, that team uh, was just as interesting as, as a national championship season. So I'm really thankful that I get to break down this team, this program uh, in this position. So I want to get that out of the way, first of all. That being said, I'm excited for, for other reasons than that. I think more than any other year in this program's history, we're kind of at a crossroads in terms of the expectations uh, for this program and how and, and why we should approach uh, this specific team under Mike Norvell and the way we go about it. Because on one hand, looking forward to the season, it, it's really not going to be that hard to see improvement from Florida State under Mike Norvell in what was sort of just a, a fever dream of sorts uh, last year, COVID difficulties, uh, really not being able to practice in the way that Mike Norvell and not really being able to develop in the way that the strength and conditioning program wanted to develop these guys that were getting to Florida State, where they were they were already sort of trying to to patch together a team made up of of uh, leftovers from Willie Taggart's era and people that Mike Norvell was trying to get in, uh, and a three and six record out of that season speaks for itself. And a lot of those games were not competitive at all. They were, they were bad and they were over kind of very on. And you mix in a couple of close losses as well. It was just not a very promising season for Florida State in their first year under Mike Norvell. Um, on the other hand, you could sort of make excuses for Mike Norvell in, in year one because of the overarching COVID. You know, COVID played the entire college football landscape as a whole. And Florida State in particular was hit pretty hard having to cancel the last of their their games down the stretch, uh, including the infamous game against Clemson, which I'm sure Clemson fans and Florida State fans remember for very, very different reasons. And we, you know, we will have Brett tee off on that a little bit later <laughs> if he wants to, because I remember him getting in, involved with a certain uh, quarterback from Clemson. Cannot recall, sorry. <laughs> and and so we just had really, di- it was really difficult last year trying to parse out what was actually real and what would mark true progress going into a, a second season for Mike Norbell in this program and, and sort of figuring out where to go after, you know, five, almost five straight seasons of sort of the, being mired in this mediocrity. And I say all that to say that that brings us to next Sunday night <laughs> where Notre Dame, number nine ranked Notre Dame comes to Doak Campbell stadium to face off against the Florida state team that has lost what, four consecutive season openers going back to uh, the game against Alabama in Atlanta. It has not been pretty to start seasons for Florida State. Uh, you go back to Atlanta and you go back to the game against Virginia Tech. Like There, there are some, some really, really embarrassing moments for this team early on in seasons. Yeah, I'm a grad student now. This is their last, this is my, their last chance to give me a season opening win uh, while I'm a student at Florida State. So <laughs> it, it's, it's absolutely crazy to think that that's where this program is. But I want to ask you guys to lead it off. You know, as we start the season, not looking at the game whatsoever, I want you guys to take a look at the program as a whole. And as they enter their second season under Mike Norvell, and based on the offseason that they've had and all the reports coming out, I want to get you guys' expectations, starting with Gabe. Gabe, what are your expectations for this program uh, under Mike Norvell in season two? Well, I don't want to fall into the, the camp of, oh, if you're rooting for Mike Norvell and, and if you choose his side of things, then you're an optimist and, and you don't really know football. But at the same time, he had a lot going against him in his first year. 
Um, and there's a reason why they call it almost year zero, like Brett usually does. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I want to be as realistic as possible. That's kind of my job. But at the same time, I, I'm fearful for this year. But I, I, <laughs> I have to look at the bright side of things and, and just go with it because it's the start of the season. I'm not going to do it now that I'm not going to do it when we're two and five or something like that. Uh, not we are, but they are. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I would say I just need to see some sort of improvement throughout the season. Like, I need to see a cohesive unit getting better each week, um, especially when it comes to the offense, because that's what Mike Norville was brought in for. They, they saw what he did in Memphis, especially with the running game. And obviously, year one, we, we talked about the difficulties with COVID and a lot of players that he didn't actually like. Um, now, this year, he actually has many players that he's uh, trying to invest in in the long term. And he's had a full year, uh, not just of actually coaching them, but actually having another offseason of being able to implement his system. So it'll be definitely interesting to see what he comes up with. I'll be probably looking out for him the most because I'm not, I'm not sold on him. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a shot, but there's definitely like a time bomb in my head of like how much he actually has going forward. Yeah, Brett, I, I mean, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, Gabe. And Brett, I want to ask you this before we get into your expectations. But I feel like there's this difficult thing to balance between, uh, you know, being on, still being on the fence about Mike Norvell as a coach, as a CEO of a program, which you kind of have to be to have success in college football nowadays, and also chalking last year up to, to a, a lack of buy-in because of countrywide limitations which every every program struggled from. So where do you, where do you land on that spectrum of blaming Mike Nor- not blaming Mike Norvell, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't I, I don't have 100 percent confidence in Mike Norvell that he's going to be the guy that gets the Florida this Florida State program back to the days where they're competing for national championships. But that's not to say that I've I've given up on the man. No, I, I don't think we're going to be able to find that out this year. Yeah, like like Gabe said, I call it year zero. This is year one. I'm not looking for those big jumps in progress right now. Really, the goal is to, you know, sustain improvement. And you look at the list of recruits that are going to be on campus this weekend. That's really the goal this year. They've put together a really good class so far. But as these losses start to come in, and they're going to happen, probably going to be one this weekend. We'll talk more about that. Holding on to these recruits. Travis Hunter, he's locked in. He's a null. He said it time and time again. Sam McCall might be headed in that direction now, too. But now you're going to be fighting for recruits like Marvin Jones Jr. That's a huge legacy that Florida State would love to get. Not going to be an easy get. Nigel Lee Kelly, who they had committed and jumped out of the class, but he's going to be on campus in a visual visit this weekend. A.J. Duffy, their quarterback commit, who had a huge win against Bishop Sycamore this weekend. Um, a number of other really big commits. I mean, I just, I just say all that to say it's, it's not going to be a, a nine and three season or a ten and two season, but if they can play competent football, they can keep this class together. That's really what I'm I'm hoping for this year for Florida State football. Absolutely, I I, I just think there has to be a, a a better buy-in from the players earlier on in games. Too often last year, it felt just way way out of focus early on, where they were you know they were down double digits after first quarters against teams that typically when we look at face value have no business being, you know, double-digit double leaders against Florida State. But that's just sort of where the program's at now. And I think Florida State fans still have to come to terms with the fact that it's just not in the right place to have those sorts of expectations. Is is Bavion Johnson, is he the only one left from the Jimbo Fisher era? 
going scholarship. I, I guess he's the only one I can think of. He's back with the team this year, not starting, but they've purged a lot of the roster. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's been a long time since Jimbo Fisher was here, so a lot of those players have gone on to do other things. They've also purged some of the roster from the Willie Taggart era guys, um, either players that weren't good enough or that maybe weren't buying into that culture, like you said. Uh, you look at guys like, like Jaden Lars Woodby, again, a great guy, wasn't the best football player at Florida mm-hmm. State. You look at guys like Corey Durden, who have moved elsewhere in the ACC. Mike Norvell, it's not complete yet. We're not there yet. But in terms of getting the guys that are here and ready to buy in and want to make this football team better, they're on the right track there. Right. And, and, and Brooks, you're going to touch up on this in a second, but certain players that Mike Norvell has brought in, at least to, to uh, jumpstart this season in particular and the buy-in there, I know you have one player that you're expecting a lot out of this season. Yeah, one, one player in particular is uh, quarterback transfer McKenzie Milton from Central Florida. Um, obviously uh, got injured while he was playing for UCF, but before that, when he was fully healthy, he was he was up there in terms of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, so for Norvell to go out and, and use the new idea of the transfer portal and, and get his hands on uh, McKenzie Milton should be a really good thing for the offense. And then also, as, as Brett was saying, um, from uh, the younger team aspect of it, uh, like Mackenzie Milton's been there for a while, and in terms of leadership as a uh, as a quarterback, you obviously need to be a leader. But uh, I, I'm really thinking his his veteran um, leadership will improve uh, team morale uh, as a whole. Really, yeah, I, I do think it's an is- interesting trend to sort of look at as the season progresses, um, because right now we still don't know who's going to start game one against Notre Dame, Mackenzie Milton or Jordan Travis. Uh, I want to get your opinion, Brooks. Do you think that that leadership that Mackenzie Milton brings, is it sort of tied to sort of coming in and expecting to be the grad transfer starter that so many before him have have had? Like, do you think it wanes at all if, let's say, two weeks, three weeks into the season, he's not the starting quarterback, he's proven to be inferior to Jordan Travis? Do you think that that sort of disrupts the the leadership capabilities that he might have? I, um... I think it's possible, right? Um, but at the same time, like if you look at just the impact that Mackenzie Milton has on on people, right? The the com- uh, community that uh, follows him from UCF and from his homeland in Hawaii, uh, like I, I obviously you you want to be playing and you want to be the guy, but I, I think from a team aspect, um, I mean, I at least I'd hope from a team aspect. Um, that uh, if he doesn't end up in, with the starting job, he he sticks around and st- is still that team glue guy, that team morale guy. Morale guy. Yeah, it's going to be tough, right? Because you think when when that transfer happens, he expects to be the starter. It's a grad transfer. He was a back-to-back Heisman candidate. Uh, he, he comes into this program that's in a complete rebuild. Who started quarterback last year? Can't really throw the football that well. You think, okay, I'm going to go to Florida State, and I'm going to be the guy. Now, I think he's comfortable being in, working in tandem with Jordan Travis. There's going to be packages for both of them. That's probably the best winning recipe for Florida State right now. But if that tra- if that playing time starts to wane, and if Jordan Travis becomes the guy, there's even been some good reports about Chubba Purdy in preseason camp. If he starts to get snaps, I, I think that's unlikely this season. It wouldn't shock me if, if Milton starts to check out. This is his last stop. In terms of his playing career, don't really know what the next step is for Mackenzie Milton. So I can see a scenario in which he checks out. You just got to hope for the sake of the team that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Gabe, I want to get your opinion real quick. Going going into this season and, and assessing this team and, and their needs, who do you think fits the bill more for to be FSU's starting quarterback? Or do you think it's a combination of both of them? 
Uh, I was going to ask you guys, why is it that we haven't gotten an answer from Mike Norvell yet? I mean, There's not going to be a starter. They are definitely both playing. Uh, my guess is who takes the first snap? It's Mackenzie Milton. Yeah, yeah that probably. doesn't mean who's going to take the second, third, or fourth snap. Jordan Travis is the best playmaker on this team in terms of uh, his, his ability to, to make guys miss. It, it honestly, one of the best in the country at that. So Jordan Travis, there was a spot for him in this offense. But Mackenzie Milton, if you want to, honestly, if you want to call name the starting quarterback, it's Mackenzie Milton. But Jordan Travis is going to be on the field with him a lot, and they're going to be taking turns a lot throughout this week and probably the whole season. See, in a way, it reminds me of another quarterback situation I, no, no, in New Orleans. No, no, 100% get what you're saying. I, I do think there is, one, it's the NFL, but two, you've got a quarterback right. like Janus Winston, all hail the passing king. Mm. Um, that uh, it's a different scenario. But coming, bring it back to to Florida State. Uh, Milton, if, if I'm going to guess, who takes the most snaps as a quarterback? Because Travis will definitely get snaps where he's not lined up under center. It'll be Mackenzie Milton. But again, I really don't think it matters. It's you're, it's just semantics at that point. I also think it's Mackenzie Milton. But I bring this up because Jordan Travis is another year under Mike Norvell, and he's had the most time under him, um, and he's got a lot of talent. And he's had a whole offseason to polish his arm and, and his accuracy. So I, I I don't think it would be the worst thing for Florida State to give Jordan Travis a shot at some point during the season. But ultimately, like it comes down to like how good is Mackenzie Milton? How good is he against the the first couple of weeks uh, opponents? Because if he can hold off the job, then you know it's it's unlikely that Jordan Travis will get that shot. But once he does, I'm afraid that it'll become a quarterback controversy going forward because that's going to bring a lot of instability to Florida State. Yeah, Milton's been here since the spring. It's really a question of, I think the biggest question about Mackenzie Milton is playing time. Unless he comes out absolutely does terrible on Sunday and then uh, the next week and the next week, the week after that, it's a matter of his knee. How long is his knee going to be able to hold up playing a 12, hopefully 13-game season for Florida State? If he can stay healthy, I, I think it's going to be really hard for him to work his way out of a job or work his way off of the field. Um, but that health is definitely still a big question mark. Right, well, we, yeah, oh, Brooks, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, why they why they might not have named a starter, I actually prefer to refer to Mike Norvell as Mike Norvell, international man of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I know why they have it. It's just kind of bringing up the, the idea that, hey, this might be tighter than we expect it to be. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with Brett that there's a reason. It's because both of them are going to play, and he's trying to keep his cards as close to his chest as possible going forward into this huge matchup against number 9 Notre Dame, which brings us to a conversation that we need to have about this coming week's game. Because Florida State hosts the number 9-ranked team in the country coming off a college football playoff berth two in the last three years. Brian Kelly has molded this Notre Dame program into a perennial college football playoff contender has completely adapted to how college football is, is ruled nowadays after kind of been being laughed off the face of the earth. They get blown out in 2012. Then they have a four and eight season. And then since that four and eight season where they had Deshaun Kaiser start way back when uh, they have been the third or fourth best team in college football on a, on a yearly basis, in my opinion. Um, and that's who Florida State is going up against in their first game in year two, year one, as we'll, we'll refer to it here. Uh, Notre Dame, I looked at a bunch of different sites. Notre Dame is a seven-and-a-half point favorite. In you guys' opinion, like how much stock do you guys put in this game? 
because as exciting as a big matchup as it may be against Notre Dame, how dangerous can it get for us covering the team and also fans that are investing in this Florida State program uh, to put too much stock into the outcome of Sunday's game when they're going up against clearly a superior opponent, track record and all, uh, against, you know, against Notre Dame? This is probably yeah, the biggest yeah. game of the season, I mean, for Florida State, wow. uh, I would say. I mean, it's under the bright lights, Sunday night. It's the first ever Sunday night football game for, for Florida State's yeah. history. Uh, and it's going to be the first time we get to see Mackenzie Milton. Uh, there's so many storylines going into the game. And, you know, they played them last year, and they didn't get blown out, but it was definitely a, a struggle for Florida State. So it'll be interesting to see how they do this time around. Um, and, you know, with the fans coming back to the stands, I, I, I can't stress this enough. Florida State has to be competitive if they actually want to have some sort of momentum going throughout the season. So for that, I, I think Florida State uh, needs to perform as good as they ever will during the season. But either way, I don't think they're going to have much success. And that's where I, I, I think the fans need to like have some sort of patience and understanding that, hey, I, I get it. It's probably not going to be the, the first week one opening win in, in, what, four years? But at the same time, it's not about winning right now. It's about just making progress. But at the same time, it's going to be really hard for me not to get emotional on Monday night or Monday morning if, if things don't go the way that we expect them to. Right. I, I think Florida State fans need to enjoy their Labor Day weekend and need to enjoy all the pomp and circumstance and the build-up to the game and, and at the game uh, because it is a really exciting moment. It's got that big game feel to it, right? And I don't think we've had that on this campus, that true big game feel. And maybe this is a bad omen, but since the Virginia Tech game on Labor Day weekend uh, back in, in the first season of the Willie Taggart era. And that game did have an amazing feel. That, that, the build-up to that was 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 palpable. Uh, that that whole weekend was just incredibly fun leading up to that Monday night game. That's what makes it unfor- unfortunate. Yeah. It's, it's the pomp and circumstance that came with that game and that atmosphere there. And so it's, it's still enjoy that because college football is just, this, this, the pageantry of college football is just so much fun and we really get to hopefully experience it at its fullest this season. So enjoy all of that Florida State fans. But whatever happens after the ball is ki- the, 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 the first kickoff, just don't take any stock into it because I don't think this is going to be a good matchup for Florida State. I'm a little shocked the line. Is, yeah, in some books you can get it at seven and a half uh, for plus seven and a half for Florida it's on State. Shark I was looking at it, yeah. that was it opened a lot bigger than that, and it's again been bet down to Florida State plus seven and a half. And other other things have happened to get it to that point. It just does not feel like a good matchup for Florida State. And before we get to Brooks here, I, I will make a counter argument for why Florida State fans might feel a little better than they normally would facing a top 10 team in a, in a college football or a reigning college football playoff uh, participant. It's that I don't think you're going to get Notre Dame at a better time than to open up the season. That's true. Breaking in almost an entire new offensive line, a new quarterback, a bunch of different positions on defense. I like, and Notre Dame has tended to struggle earlier in the season than later in the season in the last couple of years. That, that would be my one uh, thing that I'm preaching to Florida State fans that are trying to get some good vibes going into this game. Yeah, week one is always really tough. There's no preseason in college football. They haven't hit anybody other than the guys wearing the same jersey as them as pr- at practice. You, you see it a lot in week zero games where it's like a, r- a shortened preseason for some of those teams. It's hard. Like, you look, uh, Nebraska was, what, eight-point favorites this weekend at Illinois, and they just looked terrible. They got beat really badly. I know it ended up being, finishing an eight-point game in Illinois' favor, but if you're going to pop a team in the mouth, week one in college football is the time to do it. I don't think Florida State has the, the talent, if I'm being frank, 
to, to pull it off this weekend, but I also don't think it's going to be some embarrassing blowout a la Virginia Tech 2018. Yeah, Bert? Uh, yeah no, I um, I like the idea of a big game feel, um, especially with, with limited fans last year. This is the first real time, and it's a night game, and it's at Doak, and we're going to have Osceola running out on, and, and playing the spear, and, and everybody's going to be really fired up. Um, but with that being said, I don't I don't expect a, a ton. Like I don't I don't expect us to be, or I'm sorry, not us, uh, Florida State. I don't expect uh, Florida State to come out and and run them out of the gym because obviously Notre Dame's a very good team, um, and, and especially where Florida State's program is at. I just would really hope that they look good and look competent. Everything looks clean for the start of the game, um, and then after that, when it comes to the final score, I think like like if they win. It's great. It's great for the program, and if, if they lose, uh, I mean, at least Florida State students don't have school on Monday. <laughs> I, I also I also think like if they win, yeah, enjoy it, celebrate it, every moment of it, enjoy it. But don't think that if they win this game, all of a sudden they're an eight win team. It's still going to be a really long battle throughout the season. Enjoy it. You know, it's going to be a, it would be a great moment, one of you know greater moments in Week One Florida State history. Uh, but yeah, don't don't you you get what I'm saying? Do, do I dare ask? Are we doing predictions? Oh no, no, not not quite yet. Because there were there was a few more things that I wanted to get to concerning this game. We're going to tackle all of that and more. The whole college football slate. We're going to break down all the best matchups. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break at the halfway mark here on Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Break here on Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We were kind of in in the in the thick of things talking about Florida State versus Notre Dame for this upcoming Sunday, uh, 7.30 on ABC. I don't think I mentioned that for those who aren't able to attend the game. You can catch it on ABC at 7.30. Uh, but breaking down a little bit more into the thick of things, if I had to put you guys on the spot and, and give me one player to not only look forward to in this game that might be the key to Florida State beating Notre Dame, but also a player that you're interested in seeing uh, developing over the course of the entire season. Gabe, I'll start with you. Is anyone on your mind, offense or defense? It's got to be Devontae Loft-Taylor. He came in last year as a, as a junior transfer, and it was, he was easily like the most high-prospect of offensive lineman that we've had in, in the last year or so. And I, I didn't think he played that good last year. I, I saw some flashes, but he wasn't that consistent, in my opinion, as, as well as the whole offensive line, as well as the whole offense. Um, but obviously now it's his time to shine. It's his last year. And with three other redshirt freshmen in that offensive line, especially in the most important positions of tackles and in center, Devonta Loftier is going to have to do everything he can to make sure that Mackenzie Milton or whoever is back there doesn't get touched. And especially with the ground game, they need to settle down who's going to be able to, 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 to share the backfield as best as they can. They have a lot of talent back there, but it has to come down with the trenches to start off. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think the, one of the other big things is Devontae Love-Taylor moving from right tackle into right guard. I think that's where he's going to be a lot more comfortable. And I look at this starting offensive line, and the depth isn't there yet, but we've been saying it for how many years since before I got to the station, that the offensive yeah. line was the biggest problem for this team. Thankfully, or I guess not thankfully, you can say that that's not the biggest problem this year. That starting offensive line should be okay at best, which is good. That's a, a drastic improvement from previous years. You move Devontae Love-Taylor into the inside. Uh, you don't have guys like Babyon Johnson or Dante Lucas starting this year. Uh, Darius Washington must have had a really good camp because he's the starting right tackle on the on the depth chart that was released today. 
that is going to be not a strength to this team yet, but you don't have to worry about it every single time uh, Florida State takes the field. You don't have to worry about whoever is under center just getting absolutely pummeled uh, week in, week out. And I think Love Taylor is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah. Brooks, are you looking for anyone? Uh, yeah, well, we talked about it earlier. Um, the, the QB position, I just, uh, in terms of Mackenzie Milton and, and it, whether it's him or Jordan Travis, um, just their ability to, to get keep the offense moving. Um, and, yeah, and as Brett said, offensive line-wise, we, we got to have somebody protecting our quarterbacks and our running backs. So I, I also really want to talk about Akeem Dad. He's a guy that I've really liked playing. He's got a lot of flack, I think, in his, in his true freshman season. He had all those dropped interceptions that he was getting to. Great coverage. I just couldn't seal the deal. Um, but he's a physical player. He came out on the depth chart today uh, for um, as safety. He's going to start this weekend. And him along with the rest of the secondary, it's a really big put-up-or-shut-up year, I think. I would, uh, actually, let me rephrase that. Not a put-up-or-shut-up year, but show me that you are going on the right track, that this this development project that we've got so many young guys in that secondary that still have a lot of part because of COVID, a lot of eligibility left. Show me that you're going on the right track because going into 2022, that should be the Florida State's biggest strength. Absolutely. I think Akeem, uh, Akeem Dent is a perfect encapsulation of, of this Florida State program and just how mature they are going to – like we're going to find out how much they've matured because Akeem Dent came in with Willie Taggart, I believe, in 2018 or 2019, and he's kind of been through this entire process, yep. through the ups and downs, and there's some scar tissue there. To be sure, for for guys like Akeem Dent that have stayed there that long, um, so I think seeing you know if things don't start off the way that Florida State wants in this game and and to start the season, uh, seeing how those guys respond to that adversity, I think is going to be key in in just seeing uh, what kind of effect Mike Norvell has on the program compared to the latter years of Jimbo and Willie Taggart there, and seeing if he's in the right direction. A couple other guys that I'm looking at are the big guys, you know, guys like Fabian Lovett. Robert Cooper in the middle, seeing and this uh, this was actually uh, what I want to touch on with my expectations. I legitimately want to see both on the offensive line and the defensive line just how big an impact a full off season of strength and conditioning under Mike Norvell and every guy that he's brought in there to sort of improve that that area of the team and the program. I want to see what kind of impact uh, a, a non or at least a, a as close to normal. Uh, offseason could be to, to how they've improved because you have guys like Dante Lucas that aren't starting anymore is that a product of him not reaching his potential or is that other guys have just improved through the strength and conditioning program over the course of the, the offseason there it's something to, to look forward to um, but hey I think it's time we get to the, the what everyone tuned in for get some predictions going around here I'll start off with you Gabe okay. Notre Dame Florida State this Sunday how are you feeling? Feeling, feeling so, all sorts of emotions. <laughs> Everything you can possibly feel. And it's probably going to be even magnified after the game or, or even during the game. But but right now, I have to be realistic. Notre Dame's a better team. Um, FSU can put up as much of a fight as they can. But it's going to be really hard for them to pull off the upset. I got Notre Dame 34, Florida State 27. Uh, I, I don't expect this to, to be a back-and-forth game by any means. I think FSU will be playing catch-up for the most part. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they play catch-up with Mackenzie Milton in his first ever game as a Florida State player and not that many receiving weapons uh, that can like actually give him a chance to, to spread the ball. Uh, obviously, you have Andrew Parchman, you have Ontario Wilson, uh, Keyshawn Helton. I mean, you have some sort of weapons, 
But I think Florida State will have success during the season once they can they can solidify the, the ground game. Um, so for that, I, I think Notre Dame is going to have to to take this one. Mm-hmm. See, 34-27? 34-27. Right. Brett, what's your read on this I, game? I've got uh, Notre Dame 38, Florida State 21. So Notre Dame to cover, a total to go over. Uh, I don't think – I know I just talked about Florida State secondary. I, I, I think they could, by the end of the season, be on the right track. I don't think they're going to be able to hand up, handle Jack Cohen – in that Notre Dame offense this week, uh, Meyer, the Michael Meyer there, uh, tight end is going to be just in- incredibly hard for not only our linebackers but our secondary to stop. And Notre Dame can still, I think, run the ball on this defensive line. Um, the offense, it's just going to be a real struggle. Notre Dame, even though they lost a lot, they still have a lot of experience on that team. One of those guys, Kane Madden, who should have been in Tallahassee, ends up in South Bend. He's going to be a huge player for them this weekend, and I just don't see Florida State really being able to. It's not going to be embarrassing. Maybe it's close in the first half, but in the second half, I have Notre Dame pulling away, so I'll go 38 21 to the Irish. 38 21. Brooke? So uh, I think we've talked a lot about how, how big a game it is, and I think that's going to play into it towards the start. Um, but I, I think the experience and, and just the, the fact that Notre Dame is probably a better football team uh, will. will uh, went out in the end. Um, the atmosphere can only do so much. At the at the end of the day, you have to put the ball into the end zone or through the uprights. Um, so I got uh, Notre Dame thirty four to twenty. Thirty four to twenty. Hmm. So Notre Dame covers. You, you're taking the under in that one now. I yeah. believe. Yeah, I didn't get a look at the uh, line. <laughs> oh, are, are we gonna have issues with or not? Wait, but they are they, are they going to have issues with hydrating? That's the real question. Oh, oh, Lord. No, real quick, and I know we're going to talk about this game in just a second, but on game day this weekend, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Boise State and UCF, they're talking about it on game day, and someone, I don't remember who it was on game day, I don't think it was Kirk, uh, said that they worry about uh, Boise State coming down to Florida and, and dealing with the heat and humidity early. I think it was Eddie George, was yeah, it not? It, it was, was Eddie George. And, uh, man, I, boy, who asked in Gameville, they can watch a Boise State down in Florida to open the season and how they weren't the ones uh, that were struggling <laughs> with the heat and humidity. Uh, I, think, I think UCF has a pretty good chance in that game. But, yeah, don't discount Boise coming down and playing in the heat. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll give – I mean, uh, actually, Scott, Scott, get in here. I know you wanted to make a prediction real quick. Uh, yeah, no, just to... All right. Yeah, I think a lot of – I agree with – a lot of what's already been say, said. I am a homer, so I'm trying not to drink too much of the Kool-Aid, but I think Florida State hangs in on the first half, but Notre Dame pulls away. Uh, Low-scoring game, uh, 27-10 Irish. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I look at this game, and I think that FSU's offense has a ways to go in terms of, of getting those reps in and, and maturing and being as cohesive as they could down the stretch of the season, and I think... Notre Dame can still run the ball. They still have Kyron Williams. That you know, they replace most of their offensive line, but they're bringing in guys that they've also developed. That they've kind of just built a, a program of surrounding offensive linemen like that. Here, I'll, I'll add a happy note to the prediction. If you're looking to yeah. place a wager on Florida State, Florida State plus four in the first half. Let's say it finishes 17-14 in the first half. Florida State keeps it close and then gets outscored three touchdowns to one in the second half. I was gonna say I, I, I'm gonna go 35-14. And I have, and I have, uh, I have. Oh yeah, you can give your prediction. So, I was gonna say, I, I have, I have, I have Notre Dame winning thirty-five fourteen, very competitive half, but in the end, I, I think that the the depth that Notre Dame has at their disposal right now, kind of just pulls away with this game. Did, did anybody have Florida State at a non-touchdown number? So I mean, the field goal would be kicked. Uh, uh, no, I, I have a touchdown. Number. I'm, yeah. 
So 3420. Um, so yeah, yeah. well you can be an extra extra point, which I think is possible. Parker Fitch uh Parker Fitzgerald's gonna be the starting kicker. I don't think they're gonna use him unless they absolutely have to. That's just personal. And so I don't have a like a source that's saying that or yeah. anything. I just don't think uh, the trust in him is, is there yet. Maybe not this early in the season when you're having to try to play against a team like Notre Dame, you're not gonna have the opportunities to where you're in a field goal kicking position, really. Yeah. Well, a somber but realistic Tone center of, of a prediction segment right there for Florida State. Listen, That's we're going to somber. Florida State plus four in the first half. There you go. There you go. Lock it in. Put the expectations That's low. Not financial then advice. There, there, listen, happens. listen. For all those out there, there's going to be plenty to look forward to in that game, and do not take it for granted. College football fans being back in the stands like that, it is going to be an atmosphere. That's a double on its head. Yeah. Moving forward to the rest of the college football slate, guys. I sort of had an epiphany last week. Uh, I want to go off on a tangent real quick because I remember last week we were on the show talking week zero and I was kind of down in the dumps afterwards thinking about college football and why like I just wasn't looking forward to the regular season as much as I, I might be in previous years like that. And then I, I, I talked to my brother and we're like, why do we like the NFL so much more than, than college football? And we started like, oh, you know, the playoff, it's the same thing every year. Well, when I'm watching NFL football and I'm entertained by that, I'm not thinking of who's going to be in the Super Bowl during week four or so like that. And that's when I kind of came to terms like there's no reason I shouldn't enjoy this college football season for what it is with fans being back, with teams being riled up, with traditions being back and, and everything like that. So I'm, I'm a new man. I am <laughs> excited for this slate of college football, this, especially for this week one. Because if last week's slate was an appetizer of sorts – then holy crap, are we in for a huge main course this weekend of games to watch? Not just the weekend. We're starting on Thursday and Friday and going all the way till Monday with these sorts of games. Starting off with Boise State at UCF on Thursday, 7 o'clock on ESPN. UCF's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under 68. Let me get you guys' first opinions on that and, and, and what sort of you're looking forward to in that game, Brett? Really, really exciting game. Two of the best group of five schools in the country. I know they've taken well, maybe a slight step back over recent years. UCF, obviously, Gus Malzahn era, getting started. Heupel's off at Tennessee now, so really interested to see what they do there. I liked them in that game. It's going to be close. Maybe they cover. It's four and a half. Um, total's going over for sure. That's going to be a really fun, in terms of primetime games, really fun first game to start off week one. Absolutely. Brooks? Well, we know the heat and humidity won't be a problem for Boise State, so we can just uh, check that one off the list. Um, yeah, no, as, as Brett was saying, um, two group of five teams that, that recently have been really, really good uh, for their kind of level. Um, so I, I'm interested to see, as, as Brett said as well, Gus Malzahn coming in, a, an experienced guy, uh, bring his obviously plethora of coaching experience down from Auburn and uh, to a new journey here down at UCF. Yeah. Gabe? Yeah, I think this is a game of who wants it more. I mean, these are two teams that aren't coming into the season with, with playoff expectations, but at the same time, they're definitely not bums by any means. So uh, I'm really excited to see who wants it more, who's going to go the extra mile, who's going to you know fight for that one more yard and, and, and make that highlight play. That's what college football is about. I'm, I'm just excited to, to see all, all these teams getting back at it and, and hopefully see a lot, a lot of passion from the fans. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, at UCF, I think that's going to be electric. I'm, I'm going to take the Golden Knights there. No, no. Shout, shout out to Lupe. Uh, I, I got UCF winning that game to kick off the Gus Malzahn era there. And then you look forward to Friday, a huge ACC matchup right out of the gates. Number 10 UNC, their Heisman contending quarterback, Sam Howell, 
on the road at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, which is an electric atmosphere in itself. Uh, UNC is favored by five and a half. You know, for a team that's looking to contend maybe for a fringe playoff spot, Brett, you'd think that they'd be bigger favorites in a game like this, right? I know they're on the road, and maybe I'm drinking the Sam Howell Kool-Aid, but that line does not seem big enough for the Tar Heels. Uh, Vatek admittedly don't know exactly what they're going to look like this season, but that line is really enticing to me. And I, I also like, it'd be a weird cover and under, but I, I like the, the UNC to cover and the under in that game on Friday night. Brooks, I mean, think talking about Sam Howell for a second like that, uh, is he? do you place him right up there with the other superstar contenders for the Heisman this year? Uh, yes, he's got to be up there. He might be the number number one, yeah. honestly. Yes, I do. Um, honestly, it's it for Sam Howell. It's kind of been building, right? He comes in out of high school. He goes and plays for Mac Brown uh, at UNC, and 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 it's like this kid's really good. We have to continue to see a growth and a development. Um, so I think he's very good. Uh, with that being said, I. I'm not sure if he's been tested like an environment. To, oh, sorry. He was. He came here and lost last year. <laughs> he came here and lost last year in a very rowdy uh, 25% capacity Doe Campbell Stadium. Uh, so, uh, but similar to a rowdy Doe Campbell Stadium, uh, Blacksburg is a tough place to play. Um, obviously, Virginia Tech walks out to the sec- uh, Enter Sandman, which would make them the second most popular team to do that behind Wisconsin hockey. <laughs> um, but yeah, it should it should be a good one. It should be a good uh, Friday night viewing. Gabe? Uh, it's going to be so, so fun to watch this game. I think Virginia Tech's going to put up a fight. I think UNC might be in for an upset, but you didn't hear that from me. Yeah. I, I think this UNC team is better than last year's, which was already pretty good, yeah. getting an Orange Bowl bid like that. I think Sam Howell is going to be the master of that offense this year. I think he's got the world in his palm. Uh, I, I like UNC to both cover, and I, I think I like the over. I really do. I don't know what to expect out of their defense. We shall see, but I, I do like North Carolina. I like Sam Howell to get a, a good kickoff to his, his Heisman campaign. Uh, and then we get to Saturday. We get to Saturday. We kind of get a tr- – I love when they do this. They line up a huge game in every single slot, 12, 3.30, and 7, 7.30. As it should be. As it should be. You, you're, you're entertained throughout the day. Brooks, I'm going to start off with you here. The Wisconsinite, number 19 Penn State at Wisconsin, number 12, uh, do you have an initial read on that game? I um, I <laughs> do and I do not. Um, both teams last year didn't didn't play up to what was perhaps expectations. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm interested to see how uh, Graham Mertz comes in and plays um, at the quarterback position um, off a pretty solid Duke's Mayo Bowl championship. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it should be a good one. It should be a good uh, big noon kickoff in Madison. Yeah. Brett? Yeah, I uh, I have no – I really have no idea how, uh, how bleh, which way this game's going to go, but the uh, it's going to be the under, under 50 is my pick. There. It's going to be gritty. I, don't, I know we're not – we don't have to do picks in each of these games, but I am. So. Right. Yeah. And Gabe, do you have any comment on the, the game in Wisconsin? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> As simple as it gets there. Uh, and then at 3.30, kind of the, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, the crowning jewel is that they always hold in there. Uh, number 14, Miami. Derek King back in Miami. Sort of made headlines this offseason with a bunch of NIL uh, news. Is there any chance that Miami beats Alabama in this, this opener here, Brett? No chance they win, but 18 and a half? They're getting 18 and a half points? Enticing. 
I like that, and I like the under. I think both of these defenses, there's a lot of talent here on both of these teams on defense. I think Manny Diaz, you got to give it up to him. He's done an incredible job recruiting and including even stealing some guys from Florida State. Um, I, I'm interested in this game. Alabama's going to win, but I think it could be close. Yeah. Brooks? Uh, Alabama's going to win this football game. Um, with that being said, I, I still think it'll be a decent football game for a while. Uh, Miami's not terrible. They're ranked 14th in the country. Um, as, as Brett was saying, in terms of the line, I was expecting more towards two touchdowns. Uh, 18 and a half is a lot of points to cover, um, even, even for Alabama. I could uh, see like 30, 21, 30, 17. Yeah, I'm not a betting man, but Miami plus 18 and a half looks really good. Yeah. You know, I'm old enough to, to remember when the station, we didn't <laughs> have bets going on left and right, but it, it's definitely more fun that way, I would say. Um, I would say it's <laughs> These are just numbers. Sweep. These are just numbers. These are just numbers. Mm-hmm. Simoleons. But uh, yeah, I think it's a clean sweep. Clean sweep. Alabama's got this. There's no shot for Miami, but it's definitely going to be closer than 18 and a half. Like, Miami's not not just going to come in there and just get absolutely annihilated in week one. But if it did happen, I would not lose any sleep, I would say. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think Alabama kind of rolls here as well. They might take like a quarter or two to figure out their offense. Bryce Young making his first career start against a huge team like that. Uh, but, no, I I, have, I think I think Miami keeps it closer, closer than 18 and a half. Uh, but Alabama will roll. And then finally wrapping up the, the kind of huge games we have this week, number five Georgia at – or sorry, not at – uh, against number three Clemson, I was going to go on a rant here because what are we doing holding Georgia Clemson in Charlotte of all places? This game should either be in Wait, Athens. This is in Atlanta. This is in Charlotte oh. of all at, at the most corporate Bank of America Stadium, the most corporate setting you can get in a return to college football stadiums. It's not in Athens. It's not in Death Valley. There, unbelievably poor job scheduling that. Why, why is that? No, it, it, it's going to happen every year. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't piss me off. But. How excited are you guys? For, I mean, we finally get to see JT Daniels start the season as the, the Georgia Bulldogs quarterback, see if he can build off of last season's or later in the season's success. Brett? I know Georgia, they haven't they haven't taken the holy grail, but they've got a lot of reasons to be excited. JT Daniels under center, Kirby Smart another year, which is a great recruiting class. And I think this is going to be a really, really tough game for Clemson. I think JT Daniels has what it takes to beat Clemson, but not so fast. DJ Uyunglele. He's going to lead the Tigers. I can't pronounce it. I just call him the Big Cinco. Yeah, Big Cinco. <laughs> Big Cinco. DJ Uyangalale. Brooks? Uh, no, I, um, the one thing I'm looking forward to here is obviously the, the quarterback matchups with uh, Big Cinco, as Luke mentioned, and uh, JT Daniels back with an, another year in uh, the Georgia offense. I, um, I expect it to be – I expect both teams to obviously come out fired up. Um, because this is, if you win this game, it sets you up for a lot of really good things potentially later in the season. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited about it. I'm excited to have a big, big time college football game back. Absolutely, a Georgia win would absolutely put the ACC on fire. I think, like, I mean, obviously, I think it's still Clemson's to win, but it would just be really exciting because it's been completely dominated by Clemson the last seven years or so. And you know, with DJ Big Cinco, whatever we want to call him. He's got big shows to fill, but I, I think he's got a lot of promise, so I'm definitely excited to go to Florida. Yeah. I don't think there's any shame in Clemson losing week one to a, a yeah, Georgia team that's primed to, to contend hey, for I'm a national championship. For, I'm looking for any excitement for the ACC. There's only one team that can beat them in the conference, that's North Carolina. I don't think they're on their schedule this year, so Clemson's going to run undefeated, at least in the conference. And, and everyone's biggest fear, a loss might heighten their focus and, right. and set them on a warpath towards the national championship later down the season. But... 
that's kind of all the, you know, highlighting the big games. Uh, glad you guys could break that down with me. Of course, this is not gambling advice no. for everyone out there. This, we would, no, we are not giving out gambling advice whatsoever. So, the score. Yep. Just numbers. Right, right. With that being said, can I rapid fire my under the radar game? Absolutely. Give us, yeah, give me All like right. 30, 30 seconds or less. USF NC State, Thursday night, 730 on ACC Network. Jeff Scott, year two, really year one, if we're going to go with my year zero method. Uh, Wolfpack are really going to beat the crap out of the Bulls here. They're really a step behind a bunch of other teams in the AIC. They can't handle NC State. Miami, Ohio at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the clear group of five favorite this year to get a New Year's Six bid. Luke Fickle stays at Cincinnati. They're number eight in the AP poll. Uh, maybe they don't cover full game and i'd look for them in the first half northern illinois georgia tech year two for jeff sims as the starter in atlanta knocked out florida state week one on the road last year i think an easier time beating northern illinois at home again this year don't know what the line is but i think georgia tech will probably cover that too round of applause for brad everybody (laughs) that was was amazing rapid fire brett no one can do it in the business like you do that's what i do giving your picks there uh we still have four minutes on the show, and we still have huge news to get into for a, a sport that you guys are much more well-versed in than me. But Cristiano Ronaldo, arguably a top three player. Like, he is one of the best players in the world. Top three player of all time, really. All, yeah, all time. Uh, he's going back to Man United, where I believe... He, Not too sorry. I mean, he, he got... Started really right, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm, if I'm not Portugal, uh, Man United was where he really took the world uh, by storm, and then went on to Real Madrid, where he did incredible things. Absolutely. Right. So, Gabe, Gabe, break down how this sort of happened with with Ronaldo going there. Uh, like, I thought he was kind of safe with Juventus. What what happened in the in in the time between when he went to Man United and and when he was with Juventus? Well, similar to last summer, a lot has happened. A lot has happened in the world of soccer. And I think it all started with Messi winning the Copa America. I think it's kind of the, the rivalry that they've always had, he's definitely looking at what he's been doing. And now that Messi's got the international trophy, he's got even more pressure to showcase why he thinks he's the best. And, and with him being, I think, 36 now, time's running out. Um, but at the same time, he's still a phenomenal player. And, I mean, going back to Manchester United is such a classy move of him because it's not Real Madrid. It's not returning to something just nostalgic and trying to like live up to, to the height of, of what Madrid was in the mid-2010s. But with, with Manchester United, he's got a chance to, to fight for the Premier League, something that Manchester United has not been doing for the last five years or more. Uh, and and he can, he, he's coming in there with some expectations, but it's definitely not going to be uh, what, what he would have been dealing with in, in Madrid. And the, the real reason why he left is because he didn't have a future in Juventus. The, 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 the program, the... The project, whatever that was going on there, it, it never really seemed to, to amount to what Ronaldo and, and the Juventus following were, were hoping for. Uh, too many Champions League crashes in the quarterfinals, never got to the semifinals, for crying out loud. And not to say that this is Ronaldo's fault by any means, but the Juventus squad seem, simply had too many issues. Uh, they, they were not as smart as they usually were in the transfer windows. And the, 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 inconsistency, the inconsistency in coaching was one of the biggest factors as well. Ronaldo didn't really seem to be on board with what Allegri was, uh, you know, bringing into the table, the new coach. Uh, and he, Allegri wasn't even too, too sad that Ronaldo was asking to be, to be you know, uh, sold. So it was kind of better for both 
both parties, which is not really something that usually happens. In terms of legacy, I think it's clear. And Messi is a couple of years younger than Ronaldo. Two years younger. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo, has, his game has taken a step back. And that's not to say he's a bad player. He's still one of the world's best. He's still an amazing Champions League goal scorer, international goal scorer. And he's going to score a ton of goals for Man United. Uh, but in terms of legacy, you see Messi go to PSG, and Messi really hasn't lost a step. He's probably going to win the Ballon d'Or again this year. So Ronaldo going to the, back to United, trying to win another Premier League. I don't know if he really moves the needle that much in terms of their chances of winning it. I would still have City and Chelsea above United. It did close the gap a little bit. I do think it makes United a much bigger con- uh, competitor in the Champions League, where we know Ronaldo is maybe the best Champions League player ever. Absolutely. Completely agree. And, and lastly, to, um, I, I just... Ronaldo's a great player, right? He's going to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's what he gets paid to do. He's, he's done it forever. Um, but I think it really puts a lot of pressure on Ali Gunnar Solskjaer because if you look, he brings in he brings in Jaden Sancho from Dortmund for a bunch of money. He brings in uh, a bunch of pounds, rather. He brings in uh, Ronaldo. Uh, Rafael Varane. The investment in the squad has been has been tremendous this summer. So, um, and they kept Pogba. And they kept yeah. Pogba, who, who has looked like a different player since, uh, since uh, the European Championships. Um, so, so it's a lot of pressure on him. Um, with that being said, he did make the Europa League final last year. Um, so he really needs to come out and, and build on, on that success this year. And whether that's winning uh, a domestic cup, like uh, the League Cup, go win that. There you go. There's your trophy. Wrap it in a bow. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I think they, Ali, Ali can take a big step here, and I think Ronaldo's going to help him. I think they can maybe be second but they're 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 peaking at the wrong time unite or city chelsea and liverpool are still at the peak of their powers and they all have more experience when it comes to the big games or or even winning championships so for united to to even come close to winning the premier league it's gonna be really hard because i don't think that two number nines in cavani and ronaldo at this age in their in their careers they can be this consistent and and I, i might be wrong for all i know ronaldo is completely a different breed but it's going to be really hard for him to, to be able to, to contribute in both the Champions League and the Premier League uh, week in and week out. And I, I'd be gladly wrong because I think the Premier League is going to be as fun as it's ever been this year. You have four amazing teams competing for it. But then you also have Leicester City and uh, Spurs battling it out. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Arsenal, but <laughs> we can talk about that Relegated. hopefully in the next show. We shall see. But I think that's all the time we have. I uh, really appreciate it, guys, coming on here to, to sort of break down my first FSU game as the host here. I don't take that for granted whatsoever. But from Brooks Brazo, from Brett Rutherford, from Gabe Tisnes, from Scott Clemens, and Sebastian, Sebastian Angeliano, who just popped into the studio here. Uh, I'm Luke Hazen. We hope that you'll join us next Monday. We're going to be back here. We're taking time out of our four-day Labor Day weekend. Uh, we hope that you will take some time out of yours, too. Uh, We'll be back here breaking down FSU's game against Notre Dame, uh, looking forward to their future schedule, as well as sort of getting ready for the NFL season, where the reigning Super Bowl champion Buccaneers will be in play next Thursday night. So for everyone here at V89, uh, this has been Tomahawk Talk. Uh, You are listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.